So so it's Presence Day. That's right. But before we get to that, yeah. Everyone who's listening, if you have Apple Podcast on your phone, we want to let everyone know that you can now follow us on Apple Podcasts. That's right. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search 8 a.m. shift and hit subscribe. Leave some comments. Write some reviews. We're waiting for you. And also feel free to email us. I 8 a.m. shift <laughs> at gmail.com. There you go. I feel like uh, um, like uh, Michael in Godfather 3. I'm like, we're legitimate. <laughs> uh, that's not to knock any of the other. Uh, this is right before we get screwed over by the Vatican, right? Of course, yeah. That's uh, no, not to you know insult anywhere else we've we've posted the podcast but you know it's, it feels pretty good you, know? you don't want to insult uh, uh religious <laughs> evan- evangelist uh conservative uh <laughs> i don't know whatever <laughs> horrible adjectives i can use yeah, to. Yeah. <laughs> uh no man it was funny because like i i you know you we're on now that we're on apple i went back and i listened to a couple of the old episodes and i was kind of like these aren't bad but also like Yikes! <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm gonna make? I solemnly vow that I will eat less on this podcast. <laughs> There's a lot of me chewing, and you know, it was 8 a.m. You know, what yeah. did you did you ever have a moment while you were re-listening to the old episodes where you're like, man, this is kind of pretentious of me to be listening to my own voice and reveling in my own oh yeah my own my own. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Episodes. I'm and listening my own, to my it own like, work. I was listening to it like I am a golden god. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, it's like no, you idiot. It's four episodes or five episodes. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I was at the gym on the treadmill listening to it, feeling like the mayor of New York. Oh, dude, you were like running to your to. <laughs> nah. nah, I was. You know, I'm, De Blasio does that. I, right? I, I know, I know. Like, Can you imagine? He's probably listening to himself on. WNYC, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. like man, I answered those questions. <laughs> He's like running in the gym, like yeah, get it, Billy. That's right. <laughs> You're a winner. <laughs> you, you told those sanitation workers. That's right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I was I was doing incline walk, so I was like meticulously doing the incline. Yeah, walk. no, right. I wanted to get my thighs looking right. Uh, goals, everyone. Goals. <laughs> Goal. <laughs> Your thighs looking right. <laughs> You're a real go-getter, George. Yeah, right. You know, I, and the, the I will eat. Not uh, you know, I'm gonna try not to eat on this podcast, but I am definitely still gonna drink coffee. I mean, that's that's the part of the 8 a.m. shift. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> it was weird, man. So I went back, I listened, and you know, some like I said, some sounds good, some sounds a little man, but we're definitely that getting better, true. man. You see that a progression. So oh, absolutely. Hopefully, absolutely. if we got some new listeners out there or some, you know continued shift followers shifters shifting over it <laughs> apple uh you know we uh, we appreciate it and you know hopefully yeah. uh, you tell your friends and you can keep uh you know we can keep this thing chugging along yes yes we like can. billy de blasio yeah. on the uh the <laughs> elliptical on the, on the elliptical. Oh, yeah. can't even imagine him on an elliptical yeah is he the elliptical guy i don't know i don't think he's an elliptical guy. <laughs> we have to find we have to do some reconnaissance yeah no uh so yeah, President's Day. I think the best way to analyze this day is to kind of connect it to the last few weeks, last year really, last year and a half really. In addition to, I feel like it's got a whole new meaning now because of the last like year and a half. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
The Honorable 45th President yeah, of the United Honorable States of 45. America. Um, so I guess going through some talking points, I know some of the stuff we had gone through in the last few weeks included the State of the Union, mm-hmm. which I took the trouble of listening to multiple times. And to be fair, this is actually one of his better speeches. Very much centered and geared towards the base. I feel a sea change coming on here. Jordan is it's moving over. He's, he's drinking the Kool-Aid. Am I? <laughs> no. Um, I, I'm just saying it was one of the better. <laughs> it's more coherent than uh, some of the other things I've heard in the past. But isn't that bad? Like when you're like, well, you know, the president gave a coherent speech today. Of like, course. This guy's I think about that all the time. Running our country, man. You know. Um. He brought up a lot of interesting points within, well, <laughs> our talking points were the things that he had kind of glossed through in the actual speech, some of which included things such as MS-13, which now has the same, that now exists in the same space as NWA in terms of uh, <laughs> domestic notoriety. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, my goodness. <laughs> um, he talked a lot about American heroism and valor. Yep. I didn't hear Tom Brady's name mentioned. Just saying. I feel like Tom was hurt because of that. So yeah. I feel like we've been get, getting at Tom a lot. Hey, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the guy that compared him to, to Jeffrey Dahmer, okay? Ooh, oops. <laughs> Which, by the way, listen to it's the last a- episode. <laughs> no, no, the, the episode before that one. The the post-Super Bowl one because, well, I'll put it pretty frankly. Joe compares Tom Brady to Jeffrey Dahmer, <laughs> which led me to go down a Wikipedia rabbit hole and possibly puke my puke my guts out a little bit reading this wikipedia page i feel like you were gonna go down that rabbit hole oh, of course i'm I just am. saying yeah. and I, I never said the <laughs> <laughs> i never said the man was a serial killer i said he looked like one that's all that is fair well i think i said oh, you exactly yeah. you brought that up yeah. i just i i took the bait <laughs> it, it, the irony here is that i think i had been listening to a podcast about a serial killer whose name is you know rhymes with carl's hansen and Joe likes listening to podcasts about serial killers, so I think it just the, the conversation naturally progressed that way. Of course. They're always on my mind. <laughs> Not really, but still. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, there's like a lot in the last few weeks that I think we're kind of, you know, leading up to this incredible day honoring <laughs> the presidency. Um, so, Rob Porter... A lot of details came out about uh, the domestic abuse that he basically enacted on his two previous wives. Um, And the reality is that there were staffers that knew about this and they pretty much ignored it, which any other administration, this would be uncalled for. Right. But in addition to that, it goes hand in hand with what you were saying about how, you know, like, this is the presidency, and your whole perception of this has now been completely, like, yeah, right. you know, skewed. skewed because of it. I feel like if we keep going <laughs> down this path uh, in, like, three more years, it's not going to be a national holiday anymore. People are just going to be, like, Ugh, Yeah, no. President's Day. I know. Because, like, think about it, right? Like, not all right. We have a lot of presidents who have done some shady stuff, like obviously, right? But yeah, like, like, like all of them, well, well pretty much all. Of them. <laughs> but I'm just saying, right? Like, there are also some presidents who have done some great things, right? And this was a, a day that was like meant to honor them, right? 
And now we're going to have, like, Trump fall right into that same exact, you know, group of, of men. You know? And it's just kind of like... Well, I think with Trump... Well, I guess he, he, I guess, I guess he you know, he, he fits in with slave owners and all kinds of stuff. Like <laughs> well, that. I think with Trump, the thing was that he was, like, blatantly horrendous before the, all of this, you know? Right. His track record is always, like, pretty questionable. That's true, but, like, we there wasn't a day that, like, a national holiday that, like, was going to end up incorporating him. You know? Yeah, that's Now true. there is, you know? All right. He's probably going to try to, like, uh, <laughs> you know, trademark it in some way. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think one thing you had brought up to me during the State of the Union was uh, the upcoming Purge uh, poster, yeah. the key art for it. I sent it, uh, I think, it, yeah, like, I'm not sure if the poster came out, like, during the the uh, the uh, speech, but uh, I think I sent it to you that night, right? And yeah. I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> 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 the, the, the Purge campaigning is, is mm, spot on. They might be doing a better job than Netflix when it comes to... Hey, 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 hey. I'm just talking in terms of like advertising, man. That was like spot on. Yeah. Like, the, uh, you know, Purge Trump hat, whatever that was. Right. I was like, right. this is genius marketing. Not that like... All those films have been great, even though Purge Anarchy is pretty awesome, I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, I will stand by Purge Anarchy. Well, what's funny is that I think when the series started, there were no, there wasn't that much deep political context into what they were trying to achieve. Right. And then everything j- around it just kind of highlighted it, and they knew what the direction they wanted to go with it. So, total transparency, I haven't watched the first two Purges. I watched the election year one, which... May or may not be the most relevant one. I don't know. You make me sick, George. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> My lack of honor, courage, and commitment is 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 disgusting in the mind of Joe. <laughs> so anyway, it is President's Day, um, and uh, we took some time out to speak to someone that we know that has a personal sense of government. Yep. So we decided to look no further and interview our guy, Dan Johnson. Hey, Dan. How's it going, man? Yo, yo, what's up? How's it going? Dan Johnson is a military veteran, having spent roughly 30 years in the armed forces. He served under five presidents. Reagan, Bush one, Clinton, Bush two, Obama. Yeah, five presidents. Is a person of color. Afro, African, Latino. Afro's a hairstyle. And grew up in Brooklyn at a time when the African-Latino intersectional identity did not exist. Growing up in Fort Greene, Brooklyn in the 70s, as a young man, my mother and father, who were always at odds with each other, um, and, and, and odd with the culture, at odds with the culture, said, we don't want them to be ostracized. We want them to blend in. Let's not make them Latino or, in, back in the days, uh, Hispanic. He's a pretty interesting guy and a huge inspiration to Joe and I. So which president did you enjoy serving under the most? I like Ronald Reagan, though, as president. I really did. He's, he, he was a good guy. I, I love serving under Ronald Reagan's administration. It was probably the best, one of the best uh, times as a military man. You knew exactly what you were getting. 
There were no politics. There were no shifty backdoor deals. You know, it was uh, is um, it's a, it was an era where you knew where your leader was coming from, and 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 he had a good cast of characters supporting him. You know, in his cabinet. Why do you like? Why did you like Ronald Reagan so much? Ah, the jingo in me loves Ronald Reagan, but not really. It's like reverse psychology. Um, if you can remember, or you probably heard stories of, um, you know, when uh, his when Reagan's predecessor uh, Jimmy Carter was in office, they had the Iran hostage situation going on, and when they found out that Ronald Reagan was the president coming down the pike, they kind of resolved that hostage crisis rather quickly for fear of a jingoistic president like Ronald Reagan was going to come in and say, F this noise, I'm not a pacifist. I'm going to blow you all out of existence if you don't come to terms with our agreements. Um, history shows that Ronald Reagan resolved the Iran hostage crisis the Iranian, the Iranians uh, were willing to negotiate, um, you know, um, 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 freedom for the hostages, and uh, the rest was history. You know, um, we went through a Cold War. Ronald Reagan uh, basically was a president who people feared. Uh, but not only did we go through a Cold War, you know, Reagan ended, um, you know, with Glasnost, um, you know, the whole Cold War. Uh, situation and and basically, you know, uh, USSR dissolved. Um, so I mean, Reagan. Plus, Reagan was the kind of guy who, if you if you really understood Reagan, and I say this because I I read somewhere and I can't remember where it was, but Reagan actually was one of those persons that believed that a man could or a person could. Sorry, I didn't I didn't mean to be gender specific. But uh, a person could pull themselves up by the bootstrap if given a chance, no matter what race, creed, or color he was. A lot of people don't know that about Reagan. They think because of his Reaganomics, you know, uh, that he was anti, you know, colored people or people of color. Um, but that's that's not true. It just so happened to work that, you know, uh, trickle down effect doesn't work, and he tried it. And, a lot of people of color in our society got the shaft, but, it, you know, our society being what it was, where we have second-class citizens, African-Americans who former, uh, you know, descendants of slaves, um, you know, we had no legacy money, so we were always al already in the crapper, so to speak, financially as a people. Um, not, not everybody, but the majority. Uh, and so, you know, when uh, those that have are given uh, tax breaks and benefits, you know, it's make it seems like you know the trickle down effect is in full effect, and he was only out for um, those that were um, wealthy. I'm curious to know, as a guy growing up in Brooklyn in the '70s, what did you experience, and at what point did you decide to uh, become a military man? Well, um, let's see. Um, actually, in 1978, um, my parents moved out of the projects, uh, Walt Whitman Projects, Brooklyn, uh, and we moved uptown to Washington Heights, 
which was an entirely new environment, new world. Um, man, what what a what a what a different world. It's like, man, um, it was awesome. The heights, you know. You had such a diaspora of people. I mean, you had Greeks, um, you had Cubans, Dominicans, um, Ecuadorians, Puerto Ricans, African Americans, Jamaicans. Oh my God, it was awesome. And I had it was like a UN, the high school that I went to, George Washington High School. I mean, from that high school graduated me, Dan Johnson, uh, Gene Shallot. Um, the the movie the film movie critic, uh, Henry Kissinger, Jacob Javits, um, oh my God, Rod Carew, Manny R Manny Ramirez from the Yankees, no, from the uh, Yankees, yeah, Yankees. Um, so it was it was like my God, um, just so awesome that school and opened my world up to. Uh, a whole bunch of different ethnicities. Although when I went to Edward Armero High School initially, because I, I that's the school my, of my first choice for high school, um, it was that was the same experience. Uh, all these different cultures there, um, but um, from Washington Heights to Brooklyn, ironically enough, it was like just getting up too early was just not going to cut it. And but you know, lo and behold, I joined the military, and getting up early became my life anyway. Maybe I should have stuck it out. But um, so I graduated from high school, and I went to uh, St. Francis College after high school. And then about a year, it got boring, and I was like, uh, I met up with an old friend of mine who had just come back from the Air Force, and he come back as a security forces, which is basically security police. It was like a policeman in the in the military. Ain't nothing wrong with being a policeman. It's a noble job, but you can't make a force for change as a policeman. So let's see. Um, so after attending St. Francis College for about a year and running out of funds, I said, and I met up with a friend of mine who joined the security forces, which is what led me down the police force uh, disclaimer or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, I, I, I wanted to do it too. I wanted to, I mean, all the things that he told me about in in uh, boot camp and in training school and everything, it's like, oh, gung-ho, John Wayne, my idol. You know, I want to follow like him. I want to be Artie Murphy. I want to be like these military heroes. You know, uh, Marion Jackson, the guy who was on uh, on uh, uh, at, at uh, the first African-American, you know, uh, honored with a, a Medal of Honor for in Pearl Harbor. Um I might be wrong about the Medal of Honor thing, but he was honored because of, you know, his bravery, you know, as a cook, as most people were of color in the, in the Navy, which was the most, you know, um, racist institution towards people of color back in the days. He was able to get on a gun and start shooting at the Japanese, you know, while they were bombing Pearl Harbor. So, you know, I, this was me. I, I saw myself as, you know, a gun ho, you know, um, military guy who, you know, I'm young, I'm naive, I'm going into the military services and I, I'm not knowing what to expect. So I get to the military uh, in processing station here in Brooklyn and after I've seen a recruiter and my buddy and I are gonna go on a buddy system um, and then he twists his ankle so I end up going by myself and he comes two weeks later 
But um, I go in, I get to the MEP station, and I meet up with a Lieutenant Johnson. And Lieutenant Johnson says to me, there is no way I'm going to let my namesake take a security forces job. And I'm saying, what? You can't deter my dreams. That's what I want to do. She says, but what if you get hurt? What if you break a knee or get hurt so bad that you can no longer be a security force and do your job? What are you going to fall back on? What training are you going to get? So I said to myself, okay, analyze this. This is, this is akin to the, the, the wannabe basketball star who goes through college and, or doesn't want to go through college, just wants to play basketball and doesn't know about the odds of him becoming a success story. So I said, okay, all right, I'll bite. What, what should I do? And she looks on this cathode ray tube computer screen that was green and she says, well, these are the jobs that are open. And she stood there and she showed me and we went through the list and showed me fire, fire system specialist, fire department, which they have because flight lines need to be able to put out fires when planes crash because planes do crash. Um, she showed me um, new hydraulic system specialist on a new aircraft called F-16 at the time. And then she showed me electric shop and she showed me a shop and B shop and A shop was radar and B shop was guidance. So she said, this, this is a job right here. It's a brand new job. And it said avionics technician. And I'm like, wow, avionics, a hybrid word, aviation, electronics. Hmm. Sounds fascinating. Okay. I'll take that job. And that job was a uh, fire control system specialist on an F-16 aircraft, which the job entailed, um, Radar, navigation, inertial navigation, uh, maintenance, and, uh, and, and repair and engineering. Um, what else? Uh, systems storage management system, which was the weapons, uh, um, basically the weapons inventory on the computer on board the aircraft. And, uh, and the heads-up display, which had a cockpit recorder and videotape. I was responsible for that. So I'm I'm curious to know how you feel about the use of the military politically in particular by the right, not lesser deployments, but the symbolism of, you know, the military or the or the right being huge supporters of the military. If you look at President Obama's administration, he had two terms. President Obama understood what it was to to uh, saber rattle to to and saber rattle to a benefit to show that the might of the United States military is something that you don't reckon with. I mean, here it is, a Democratic president. Most people's idea of Democratic presidents are liberal, progressive, non-jingoistic, non-military-esque at all, not, not doing anything to... to um, support the military and instead he tried to make it a stronger unit by um, enacting legislation that basically you know uh, fortified don't ask don't tell um, you know he he championed that cause within the military um, he also maintained um, the war machine to go after uh uh Osama bin Laden and captured him you know um no one could take that away from him i don't care what 
you have at your might as a propaganda arm and what you want to say to deter destroy his record, you can't take that away from him. And, and that's the one thing that I noticed not much of the right talks about because they know they'll get slapped down with, but he succeeded there and you can't fail that. Um, so, so the, the right doesn't only have, um, the obligation or the, the, the monopoly on, you know, saber rattling or being jingoistic with the military. You know, America does and whoever's in power has that authority as the executive chief, you know, executive, uh, commander in chief. You know, so uh, but look, it's obvious the leadership that we have today from the top. Thank God there's, you know, persons who went to military academies, who learned the history, who can convey some sense to um, President Donald Trump in that regard. And, and that's the way it's always been done. Um, it's, it's just that, you know, when you have a guy that just just speaks like without even thinking about what he's saying and it's just, you know, um, doing things because of his ego, you know, and, and as a commander in chief, you know, he, he has the ultimate say in what happens with the military. I guarantee you, he does not know everything about how to run the military. And, and as it's probably, I was just listening to this program today about, uh, wondering how he got vetted for top secret clearance. Um, you know, he won the election. You have to you have to go forward with it. That's the way it goes. But um, I, I think the right doesn't have a monopoly on on how they run the military. I hope I answered that question. That's it pretty much. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for your uh, thank you for sharing all that with us here on the 8 a.m. shift. So uh, that's the uh, President's Day episode. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Yes, peace. Shifters out. Yeah, make sure you uh, subscribe to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. We're on Instagram. Find us, Shifters. We're out there, and we're looking for you. Yeah, holler at us. Later.